Welcome to the Kingsway Christian Fellowship Home Service. We hope that you'll be blessed as you listen to this audio sermon streamed live from Melbourne, Australia. Kingsway Christian Fellowship is a family Bible-based non-denominational church preaching Jesus Christ, based in Wonturner. Visit www.kingswaychristianfellowship.com. Now here's Pastor Gary Fitzgerald. Amen. We'll now go to Pastor Gary. Hello and good morning, church. I'll praise the Lord. Well, here we are again, back in lockdown. It looks like we'll be here, I would say, for at least next week and, and who knows when. But nevertheless, it's always a joy to come together, even be though it be on Zoom, at least we can come together and uh, be around the Word of God because the Word of God is central, the Word of God is living, and it's alive. And so... We thank God for that. So as we have the opportunity to speak and to hear, then we know that God is at work. So blessed be his wonderful name. Now, Cole mentioned in his um, uh, 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 communion, and he used a word uh, as he was expressing a couple of things, and it's a word that I want to focus on this morning as we consider our text, which is going to be in Romans chapter 13. So you can begin to find that in your Bibles, Romans chapter 13. But he used the word serious, and it's actually that particular word that's been had been resonating in my own mind throughout the course of the week, or actually last week, um, and into this week, which led to me preparing the message that I want to share this morning. But the reality is, is that um, we're living in a time in which we must be serious about the kingdom of God. And so the title of the message or the question as well that I want to pose is how serious are we? How serious are we? And so, again, as I speak of the topic of seriousness, I want to consider it in light of the scriptures because the Bible is very clear. The Bible is very explicit in relation to the issues that it addresses. And so I want to consider four particular aspects uh, in in con in that context, and one of them relates to holiness of life. The second one relates to um, prayer. The third one relates to uh, fervent love for one another, and the last particular one is fellowship with believers or um, attending church. Or you know, the two go hand in hand. And so, I want to consider that in light of the Word of God. And in light of the question, how serious are we in relation to these particular issues that the word of God um, uh, brings out and brings forth? Because the, the reality is, church, is that we are living in the last days, the last, last days. And in the hour in which we live, uh, we're living in very interesting times. If all we can see is the coronavirus, then we're very much missing what's going on around us and the agendas uh, that are at work and ultimately uh, the, the spirit that's at work in the age in which we live and more so, above all of that, God's prophetic purposes that are being fulfilled. And that's where our faith and confidence lies. But um, so in light of the coming of the Lord and in, in light of God's word being fulfilled, we need to ask ourselves this morning, how serious are we in relation to these issues? 
And so because the, uh, the truth is, is that sometimes we're not as serious as we should be. And uh, if we're honest with ourselves, as we examine ourselves, as we're called to in the scriptures, uh, there, there may be issues and areas of our lives where we're not as serious as the Lord would have us be in approaching various things. And so I want to examine these in light of the scripture. The truth is, is that we can be uh, a little blasé as we approach the Christian life. We can be uh, a bit careless in our approach to uh, to these issues that I had mentioned before. Uh, we can be even apathetic. We're not too concerned. We're just a bit careless and don't care too much, or we're just too casual in our approach. But the reality is, is all of these things lack seriousness. And so as I was pondering this particular word, blasé, because that's what came to my mind and I, and I was writing it and I put it down and I thought, you know, I better just check the dictionary just to get an idea and an overview of the exact definition of that word. You know, we understand in a general sense, blasé, bit, you know, not focused, not too serious. And that's in essence what it means. But when you go to the dictionary, it sheds some light. And I want to I want to uh, identify the two aspects to this particular word blasé that is uh, uh, that comes to light. Now, listen to this. The first one is this. It means to be very sophisticated, especially because of surfeit. Now, you might say surfeit. Well, what does that mean? But listen, very sophisticated, especially when it, uh, because of surfeit. That word surfeit means excess, okay? Excess. And it means versed in the ways of the world. So we become very sophisticated uh, in excess, in the excess of the world, and we become versed in all the ways of the world. And so this is this blase, this form of being blase is obviously not a good one, as is the second aspect, which is what we're more familiar with, which means uninterested because of frequent exposure or indulgence, bored or lacking enthusiasm. And this is, can be the attitude of people. Let's, let's face it. This can come upon any of us if we are not aware and mindful and uh, he, taking heed to ourselves, as the scripture warns us. Now, when uh, I read this word surfeit, uh, what came to my mind was Jesus's words in the Gospel of Luke. Now, I'm going to read it from the King James Version because that's, is, this is where this particular word is used. It's not used in any other translation such as the new king james and so forth so i want to read it but it's found in luke 21 verse 34 when jesus says take heed to yourselves lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting or excess so your hearts be overcharged with excess with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life so that that day come upon you unawares and so here's the warning from Jesus, just to be careful that you don't become blasé as such, that you, that you are very serious in your approach, uh, especially in the last days, so that your heart is not too sophisticated with the things of this world, but rather sophisticated with the word of God, with the kingdom of God, and which things that, those things that are spiritual is what we are being exhorted to. So don't get over, oh, uh, let me actually, to give you light on what the, the scripture means, let me read it to you from the Amplified Bible to shed further light. Listen to the Amplified Bible, verse 34, Luke 21. But take heed to yourselves and be on your guard, 
lest your hearts be overburdened and depressed or weighed down with the giddiness and headache and nausea of self-indulgence and drunkenness and worldly worries and cares pertaining to the business of this life unless that day come upon you suddenly like a trap or a noose. And so again, you get the uh, you get a you're getting a clearer picture of what Jesus is speaking about, and uh, in light of the word blasé, which we'll get back to a little later. But you can see what I'm talking about, and uh, and so the emphasis here is that Jesus is saying you need to be serious about the kingdom of God. We need to be serious in our approach to the issues that relate to the kingdom of God. And if we fail to be serious, then we will fall into the trap and we will find ourselves being uh, um, too sophisticated in the things of this world and overindulging in the things of this world, caring about the things of this world to, to the degree in which we are neglecting the kingdom of God. And this has to be avoided, how? By becoming more serious about the kingdom of God. And so again, as we get into the text, let me just lay the foundation further and let me define the word serious for you or how some aspects to it. The word serious means to be concerned with work or important matters rather than play and trivialities. Now, listen to that. To be concerned with work or important matters rather than play or trivialities. It also means to, uh, to, means to be not joking or trifling. You see, when we talk about the kingdom of God, we are very, very serious. These are sobering words. We don't, you know, some people laugh and some people don't take things seriously as they should to their own detriment. But we have to be serious. This is the exhortation of scripture this morning. So therefore, we have to be thoughtful. We have to be somber and grave in manner. This is what the word I'm reading to you in the dictionary, what it means. It means to be deeply interested or involved not just on the surface level, but rather deeply involved and meriting great concern. And so uh, so you might get a sense of my message this morning is I'm going to be very, very serious about the things that the Bible is serious about. And so it's all, I've always had that accusation uh, laid at me at times where I can be a little bit serious. And I know I can be. I don't, I don't say that a bit of tongue in cheek, but but today is a time in which we can and should be serious, especially in light of the days in which we live. So let's look at our text in Romans chapter 13. And we want to read from verse 11 through to 14. The Bible says, Paul the Apostle says, and do this. Knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armour of light. Let us walk properly, not as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfil its lusts and so here we have this morning paul the apostle and really when you consider uh these words that he's talking about you get a sense that he's he's trying to emphasize how serious 
the issues at hand are. Now, you've got to put this into context. He's been, he spent the greater part of 12 chapters in the book of Romans outlining to us a systematic theology and the doctrinal understanding of what is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that in itself is very weighty and it's very meaty and it is a, it is a, a masterpiece, really, of writing that we need to understand. But you see, it's not just the, the, the doctrines and the theology of God that has to be correct. Uh, Paul understands that all of that has to have its application in the practical experiences of life. That's why you find the epistles are, are generally half uh, doctrinal and half practical, because you've got to take that which is uh, uh, a theological, that which is the doctrine, and you've got to make its application and make it real in your life. And this is exactly what Paul does, you know, from verse from chapter 12, verse one, in these chapters that extend to the end of Romans chapter 16, Paul is going to great lengths to give practical instruction in relation to that doc, the Christian doctrine of faith and the gospel of Jesus Christ that we preach, that we are saved by and by which we live because we must live as Christians this morning. So he's uh, very practical in his instructions and his exhortations. See, and, and what we gain out of this is an understanding that the practical expression of Christian theology is as important as the theology or doctrine itself. It's not what's one thing to understand the doctrine, but if you don't live it, if your life is not in line with that, if you're not bearing fruit under righteousness and holiness, then surely if you're not walking in the spirit, living in the spirit, then something is amiss, something is not right, something is not adding up. Because the Christian life this morning has to be lived out. It has to be practiced. And so it's in light of that that Paul gets serious when he's giving his practical instructions. And, uh, and you get a sense, in, particularly in this portion of text from verse 11, that Paul gets extremely serious as he exhorts the Romans in terms of their conduct and their living as Christians. And so it's with serious intent it's with a serious attitude that Paul the Apostle is writing. And so the, the question is, well, why is he so serious at this particular moment? Well, let's see for ourselves. Look at verse 13. Paul says, and do this in light of his previous instructions, knowing the time. There's the first point that we need to stop and consider, knowing the time. You see, do you understand how serious the times we're living in are? What's going on in the world around us is not just a coincidence. It's not just, oh, okay, it's just, a, it's just a virus. There are spiritual dynamics at work that go way beyond a virus that are happening in our world today. And, it would, uh, and so we, if, unless we are serious in our approach to the Christian life, then, uh, then we're not going to know the time in which we are living. We're not going to understand in a fullness and completion of, of how important and serious the time in which we are living are. Paul says, no, knowing the time, knowing the time. Then he, he emphasizes it even further by making this expression that now it is high time. See, it's not just time, it is high time. So it's, and, and, and again, these words heighten, they bring to a greater level, they bring, they 
tune us into a, a higher degree of seriousness in relation to what Paul's talking about. He's saying, look at the world around you. Look at the, the, the fact that the coming of the Lord is at hand, that God's wrath will ultimately be poured out upon the earth. In considering all of these things and knowing the times in which we live, he says, now, now it is high time. And that word in the Greek, high time, it literally means the hour, the instant, the day in certain or the seasons. And so the reality is, is when Paul says it is high time, he is making an emphasis. This is the hour. Now is the time, not tomorrow, not in a week, not next year, not next month, but now is the time. It is high time. And so high time to what well again verse 13 he says to awake out of sleep now listen to that to awake out of sleep you know there's such a thing this morning as a sleepy christian there's such a thing that christians can be asleep in the light as a, as one man said because the truth is, I once heard a sermon, I uh, can't recall now who it was, but it was wake up sleepy Christians. Because we can be lulled to sleep by the world. We can be put into a state of stupor and uh, because of uh, excess and because of an attitude of being so blasé or not as serious as we should be, we fall into a dullness of spirit and we fall spiritually asleep. That word sleep here in the Greek means it comes, first of all, it means the root word comes from being under, hupo. So we are under, under, well, we're not here in this sense, hypnosis, but we, we are literally under and uh, we, are, uh, we are asleep to the point where uh, in the Greek, the word literally means to be asleep or spiritual torpor. Now, like you, I, look, I heard that word and I read it and I said, well, what does that mean? I had to look it up. Well, torpor means a state of mental or motor inactivity with partial or total insensibility. Now, I thought about that because literally we're in lockdown at the moment and people are in a physical, people are taking the opportunity to get more physical sleep. People talk about it. Oh, well, you might as well just sleep an extra hour or two. And so everyone's catching up from sleep. But you've got to be careful. You don't get too much sleep. Or in, in light of the spiritual sense, you've got to be careful as a Christian that you don't fall asleep, literally, because we are called to be awake. We are called to be vigilant. We are called to be alert and sober minded. And so a state of mental or motor inactivity, that's exactly where the world's at physically. We're in a, and that's, but this is now spiritually speaking, that we are mentally not switched on. Physically, we're not switched on. And we're not thinking and acting in accordance with what God's words teaching us. We're not serious about these things. And we've become insense, uh, 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 partial or total insensibility. We've become insensitive to spiritual issues. We've become insensitive to the warnings of scripture. We've become insensitive to the exhortations of how to live and walk worthy before the Lord and fully please him. And so Paul says, do you know what time it is? It's high time and it's time to awake out of sleep. In other words, he says, wake up, wake up. And so that word awake, that's exactly what it means to arouse out of slumber. And so, you know, sometimes 
if I could uh, put it this way, some people are so physically um, uh, sleepy or, you know, they're just not switched on when they wake up. You have to wake them up sometimes. And so they say you just get your hand, you know, give them a few slaps on the face and wake them up, snap them out of that slumber that they are in or get a cold bucket of water and throw it on their face. I don't know. But whatever it takes to snap them out, to awake them and get them to become focused and, and, and awake and alert to the things that matter. Because it's time to get serious is what the scripture is saying. Why? Look at verse 13 again. Paul says, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. What is Paul saying? He's saying to us this morning that our salvation, our, he's talking about our full salvation. Not that we're not saved and we're, we, know we need to be saved. It's the fact that we are saved, but we are still to enter into the fullness of our salvation, which the Bible talks about the redemption of our bodies at the rapture where we will be transformed and that which is uh, uh, mortal shall put on immortality and so forth. And so we are waiting for the rapture of the church. We are waiting for the redemption of our bodies. We are awaiting the marriage supper of the Lamb. And in light of that which is ahead of us, Paul says our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. And do you believe that this morning? I tell you, we are at the precipice this morning of the second coming of Christ. And, and uh, we are looking forward to the rapture of the church. That's our hope. We look up for our redemption draws near. And so that's what Paul's talking about. When we put off this body of sin and we don't have to contend with it any longer, we're free from the, not only are we free from our sins, we're free from the power of sin, we'll be free from the presence of sin, hallelujah, in which now we will no longer have to struggle and deal with the realities of this body. And so our full salvation is what Paul is talking about. Now, think with me. Because the Bible refers to a group of people in the Old Testament, to a particular tribe and to a particular group of people in that particular tribe. You may be familiar with them. They're referred to as the sons of Issachar. And the Bible tells us that uh, this, this is during the time of King David, during his reign as king, that the sons of Issachar uh, had understanding of the times. And as a result of that, they knew what Israel ought to to do and as i think about the days in which we live when i think about what lies ahead i see that we too must be like the sons of issachar we must understand the times in which we live we must know what in this case not what israel ought to do but what we as christians ought to do how we ought to conduct ourselves how what choices we need to make and so unless unless we are of the same spirit as the sons of issachar how then unless we are serious this is what this was the this was the distinction between the sons of Issachar and the rest of Israel in those days is that they were more serious in their approach to these things. And so, you know, and so therefore, as a result of being serious about it, they understood the times and they knew what they needed to do. But the sad reality is, is that there are some Christians who have no idea and uh, uh, of what what's going on around them, and they have no idea what choices they need to make and what they need to do. And so, I again, the call is to be serious, sober up, get serious, wake up. 
So we need the same spirit of the sons of Issachar. Now, I want to turn your attention because Jesus brings us uh, into brings into focus the, the days of Noah and the days of Lot. As you read the Gospels and as you uh, Jesus speaks about his second coming when he will return and um, and ultimately when the, the, the time of uh, God's judgment and tribulation, it relates to Israel and so forth. But the, the Gospels address certain things and Jesus gives us some very uh, potent um, understanding of, of the, the, the signs of the times. And so these principles are, are, are timeless. They apply, especially even now in these last days in which we live. But it is interesting. And what is it that Jesus warns of? He refers to the days of Noah and he refers to the days of Lot. So I want to read it in Luke's gospel, chapter 17. And we're going to start at verse 24, where Jesus speaks about his second coming when he will return to the earth. He says, for as the lightning that flashes out of one part under heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they, um, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he who is on the mountaintop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Now, this is when you consider what everything that's going on here, and there's a lot that Jesus is making reference to, but he's talking about the fact that God's wrath will be poured out on the earth. And there's a day that is coming. And it speaks of his second coming and the, and the attitude that we as his people must have. In, in, in relation to this. And so when, when you think about it, remember we looked before at the word blasé. That word blasé means very sophisticated, especially because of surfeiting or excess, versed in the ways of this world. And when you think of the days of Noah and the days of Lot, Jesus is making that exact point. He says they built, they, they planted, they were married, they were giving in marriage, they bought and they sold. And so you get the impression clearly that they were in excess. They were overindulgent in the things of this world, in the cares of this life. And to them, they were just <coughs> marching on. I mean, look, we're in the midst of a pandemic, right? And uh, well, so-called pandemic and in everything that's going on around us. And what's going on is the house prices are booming. People are buying, they're selling. I mean, everything, the activity that's going on around us in, in light of the world as people are capitalizing and, and doing all of these things, but don't they understand that the, the, the day is coming when God's wrath will be poured out? So the world is blase. Then Jesus refers to Lot's wife. And you know what? 
Lot's wife was not serious enough. She didn't take seriously the instructions of those angels that spoke to, to them during that time in order that they could escape the wrath of God that was about to come on, on Sodom and Gomorrah. I want to read it to you because it's not just Lot's wife. We know that her heart was attached to, the, to, to Sodom and being the world and, this, that, and that caused her to disobey the command of God. And she was judged by God as a result of it. But as we look at this word serious this morning, I was thinking of Lot's son-in-laws because listen to what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 19, and I'll read, start reading from verse 14. It says, so Lot, he went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who had married his daughters. And he said, get up, get out of this place for the Lord's going to destroy the city. But to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. You see, Lot's gotten all serious, and rightly so, because the angel of the Lord has come. They've told him to get out. They've warned him, and so the seriousness of the hour has come upon them, and the urgency of the moment is, is, is there, and he's, he's appealing to his sons-in-law, and the Bible says that they, to him, to them, they just thought he was joking. How sad, because why? They were not serious. That's why. Now listen to verse 15. When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, the man took hold of his hand. I mean, you think that Lot would just get out, but he lingered and God in his mercy took hold of his hand. Listen to that. And his wife's hand and said, and, and the hands of his two daughters the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. So it came to pass when they had brought them outside that he said, escape for your life, run. You see, notice the point there. He, they had to get out, run. Do, and listen, do not look behind you nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains lest you be destroyed. And you know what happened. Lot's wife turned back and, and bang, the judgment of God became a pillar of salt. Because when, when it's time to get serious, church, it's time to get serious. There is no margin for error. You, you are either in or you're out. You're either obeying, disobeying. You must uh, understand that um, how important the, the, the hour is in which we're living. And so the fact is, is that uh, the sons-in-law of, of Lot did not uh, take him seriously. And this has a message to the sinner who's not saved, in that it's time to get saved. If you're not saved this morning, I mean, there, there are people there that don't know Jesus, um, then um, uh, you're just procrastinating or you're just kind of waiting, you know, because somehow you're going to sneak in at that last moment. Uh, my instruction to you is to be, to get serious. And to the saint, the exhortation of the scripture is, as Paul says, awake, wake up, know the time. It is high time. Our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. And so uh, let us take heed to the word of God this morning. Now, I want to look and turn uh, to some practical aspects, because I did say at the beginning that I wanted to consider four aspects in light of this message this morning. And so the issues of holiness of life, prayer, fervent love and fellowship with the believers. And all of them have a context that relates to the end of time or the end at the end times. So look at verse 12 of our text. It says, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. 
Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. And so we're being told to cast off the works of darkness. In other words, Paul's saying, get serious about this. Get serious about uh, living right before God. Get serious in dealing with sin in your life and don't tolerate it, but rather cast off the works of darkness because the night is far spent and the day is at hand. Look at verse 13. Let us walk properly as in the day not in revelry and drunkenness and not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and in envy, walking properly. That means decently. You see, we have to understand how to walk as a Christian is what Paul's telling us to walk decently, to walk properly, because there's an improper manner and there is a proper manner as a Christian on how to walk. In actual fact, let me read to you in uh 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, which is directly linked to that statement in verse 5, Paul says, you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do. Don't sleep, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who have the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, practical instructions Paul's giving us is that we need to walk properly. We need to be, we are sons of light. Therefore, let us live as such. Let it reflect. And therefore, we're talking now about holiness of life. That's the emphasis that Paul is making here. You have to be holy. As the scripture commands us, be holy, for I am holy. Look at verse 14 of our text. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what does Paul mean when he says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ? How do we make sense of what he's trying to say? What does it mean to put on the Lord Jesus? Well, he says, if you, in, in, in actual fact, Paul writes in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, and he says this, he says, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And so to understand what it means to put on Christ, you have to understand the, the, the biblical truth that regard in relation to you being baptized into Christ. This is what Romans 6 is all about, having been baptized into his death. Uh, and we have been raised with him. And so, therefore, uh, you know, the whole exhortation and teaching of Romans 6 is that we are to not let sin reign in our mortal bodies, that we are to live a life of holiness and that we are to conduct ourselves in a manner that is free from uh, a presumptuous sin in our lives. And so we, that's why uh, Paul says in Romans 6, we've been studying this in verse 11. He says, no, uh, likewise, if reckon yourselves dead indeed to sin. And so because we are, we are baptized into Christ, we have died with Christ. And therefore, the, 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 the truth from that is that we have put on Christ. That's our position. But Paul's telling us to make it real, to practice that, put on Christ, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. 
So it's one thing to have the position, but it's another thing to have the practical aspect of it operating in and through your life. And so therefore let our living correspond with our position. That's the, what the scriptures are telling us this morning. And so holiness of life is of extreme importance. Why? Because we're in relationship with God. We are children of God. We have fellowship with God. And the Bible warns us against being grieving the Holy Spirit. Holy, without holiness, the scripture says, no one can see the Lord. Why? Uh, because sin binds us. Sin blinds us. Sin deceives us. And so if we're not living and pursuing holiness as we're exhorted to in the scripture, then how can we see clearly the Lord? How can you be in fellowship with the Lord? In, uh, because it's, it's impeded. It's affected. And so what are we told to do? Well, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, listen to the scripture. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. That's our position. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now listen to verse 3. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. And so, again, we're seeing the emphasis here on the responsibility that we have in relation to holiness. And how is that? How are we going to accomplish that? Well, you have to be serious. It's time to be serious. Don't be so blasé. Don't be so apathetic. Don't be so casual in your approach to your Christian life. Start to get serious. Oh, don't get, oh, stop going more serious on me, Pastor Gary. No, it's time to get serious. I can't emphasize it enough that we must be serious in our approach. Unless we're serious, it's not going to happen, church. It's the, that's the reality. It's not going to be automatic. It's not just going to happen out of thin air. You have to be serious in your approach. Therefore, you must make the choices and you must do what's necessary. As Paul's telling us to put on the Lord Jesus and make no provision for the flesh. So there's the first issue, holiness of life. Now let's look at the second one, which is prayer and fervent love. These two go together and it's found in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. So let me read it to you. Now note here what Peter says, but the end of all things is at hand. Notice he emphasizes the end again, the end. We are in the last days. This is how serious he's trying to emphasize how serious it is. And what he says, look at what he says. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Be serious and watchful in your prayers. And verse 8, and above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. So we're told to have to, to uh, give ourselves to prayer and to have fervent love for one another. This is critical. This is to be, this is serious. Because love covers a multitude of sins. That's what the Bible says. And we, as we remain in fellowship with one another, see the, the enemy wants to divide and conquer. We must be united. But how can we be united uh, when there's uh, so many things sometimes that want to separate us? And so we must realize that we must have a fervent love for one another. That's the, uh, in, uh, the way we overcome. But, but the point I want to focus on here is Paul's, uh, Peter's words when he says, be serious 
and watchful in your prayers. So this brings us to the issue of prayer this morning. And again, let us ask the question. Let us be serious. How is your prayer life? How is my prayer life? Because we're told, Paul uses the word here, sorry, Peter uses the word, therefore be serious in your approach to prayer. Are you serious in your approach to prayer? That word serious in the Greek means to be sober, to be self-controlled. So in other words, it relates to being self-disciplined in your approach to prayer. You see, let me ask you this. Do you pray when you have time or do you make time to pray? Because if you pray when you have time, then you are not serious about prayer. You can't be serious about prayer because it goes contrary to what the word serious speaks of. It means that you have to be self-controlled, self-disciplined. So in other words, you make time to pray. And the truth is, church, if we're honest with ourselves, unless we make the time, again, it, it doesn't just happen. You start your day, you get so busy, there's so many things clamoring for your attention and your time, and the day just gets beyond you. And then by the time the night comes, you're tired. We understand how these things work. And so, in other words, you have to be serious in relation to your prayers and watchful in your prayers. Be disciplined. Make the time to pray. Isn't it interesting that Jesus said that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak? You know, it was right at the end. Note this. It was at the end of Jesus's life that he needed his disciples to pray with him. And it was at the end when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane at his hour, at the hour in which he needed them the most in the hour that which was most important, because we know that after that, they all fled and they forsook him and Peter even denied him. And so the exhortation is pray. Jesus says, Jesus approaches, the, he comes to them. And what does the Bible says? He says that they, it says that they were sleeping. <laughs> they fell asleep. Jesus said, can't you pray with me just for an hour? And they were overcome by sleep. And he comes to them again, the scripture says, and he says, and then listen, this is what he says. Are you still sleeping? Behold, the hour is at hand. See, this is what the scripture is telling us. It's high time. This is the hour. We're coming to a crux in, 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 in the timing of God's plan and prophetic purposes on the earth. And we're too busy sleeping when we should be awake and alert and watchful and make sure that we are uh, pursuing holiness and we are in prayer. The hour is at hand. Don't you understand? That's what Jesus is saying. And this is reiterated by some of Jesus' parables, so the parable of the, the wise and the foolish virgins. And so the Bible says is that while the bridegroom was delayed, what were the foolish virgins doing? They slumbered and slept. You see, this is what we've got to guard against. The encroachment of sleepiness, the sleepy Christian who begins to uh, just let their disciplines go, just to, begins to withdraw, just begins to become uh, uh, overcharged with surfeiting in the excess of the things of this world to the point and neglect of the kingdom of God. God help us this morning that, that, that we can see this. Because we're to be the wise virgins, not the foolish virgins. Jesus said again, and uh, in Mark's gospel, um, it's not on the notes, but uh, it's in Mark 13, verse 36. 
Jesus says, lest coming suddenly, he finds you sleeping. Oh, God, I don't want to be asleep. I don't, I want to be alert. I want to look up and anticipate the coming of the Lord. I want to be awake and alert and sober-minded that when he comes, uh, uh, although it's I don't know the day or the hour, but I am awaiting and I'm ready. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, as is what it says at the end of Revelation. It is an expectation, not a sleepiness. And so let us not be found asleep this morning. Let us not neglect prayer. And so I ask you, are you serious about your prayer life? Do you pray? Are you building your relationship with God? This is important and critical. In actual fact, can I just read to you? I read to you earlier, Luke 21, verse 34. I want to read in verse 36, but I'm going to read it from the, what's called the Williams translation. Listen to this uh, from the Williams translation. Jesus says, but ever be watching and always praying so that you may have strength to escape all that is going to take place. You see, if you're going to have strength to escape the temptation, to escape what's coming upon the earth and all that is that we're going to face as Christians, and we, we, we are going to face some tr serious trial and tribulation, and if we're going to have the strength to endure what's coming, then we have to be a praying people. Pray. We have to be in prayer because that's, as one man said, we can stand tall on our knees when we are seeking God. That's when we find the strength and the grace in the hour of need in which it's required. Paul said to God, you know, the story Paul said in the midst of his affliction and the thorn of his flesh, he said, Lord, pleaded three times, take it away. And God said, my grace is sufficient for in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. But you have to be in prayer. And this is serious because if you're not, then you're just going to fall asleep and then, you know, you'll flee like the disciples did when the, when the going gets tough. So the third issue is fellowship. Oh, sorry, fourth issue, I should say, is fellowship. Uh, I made an emphasis just, just uh, briefly on, on love. But there's a holiness of life, prayer, fervent love for one another, and the last one is fellowship. Now, again, the context being the end, as you see the end approaching. And, again, you, I'm sure you know which scripture, but uh, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching so notice as the day as as the day approaches in which it's we're accelerating towards it the bible says we have to be more serious and in this instance we're being told not to forsake the assembling of ourselves now i understand that we're in lockdown there's uh, things that are being opposed imposed upon us at the moment and uh, and we are uh, as biblical christians at the present we're obeying um, the government and that's fine. But let me say this, um, uh, the, the scripture tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. 
you know, you say if, if our approach is to, Christ, to the Christian life is if I just go to church when I can feel like it, well, if I can get there, then something's lacking because it's not just going to church. It's about being in fellowship with God's people. And, uh, and there we exhort one another and we support one another. Even much more as the day approaches, when it is, it is such a serious issue. It's going to be uh, critical for, uh, for our well-being that we are, uh, are coming together to uphold one another, to have fervent love for one another and that's what the scripture prior to hebrews 10 25 says to stir up love because it's critical in the hour in which we live we we can't face these things alone but even if we are alone god will give us the grace that is required for that hour and so i pray this morning that in light of some of the things that i've touched upon that you are able to identify with the seriousness of the hour in which we live, knowing the time that it's high time to awake out of sleep. And so the question that I put to us again as we reflect on the message is how serious are we? How serious are you in relation to these issues that we have considered this morning? And may God help us. Amen. To serve him wholeheartedly and faithfully. And uh, we, uh, we so look forward to his coming. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. When you see these things happening, look up for the red Your redemption draws near. So God bless you all this morning. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the word of God that is living, that is powerful. Lord, and I pray, God, if there be any sleepy Christians amongst us, God, I pray the message and the word of the Lord would wake them up this morning, that they would begin to realise the seriousness of the hour in which we live. And, uh, you know, the world is, uh, is intoxicating. The world can dull the, the spiritual senses, Lord, and we must fix ourselves in the word. We must be in prayer. We must give ourselves to you and to one another. And so, Lord, I pray for the exhortation of your people and that your people, Lord, would just uh, abide in you and in your word. And I ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you all this morning.